And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Big Football Show. I'm Mitch Sherman. Scott Dockerman is here. Thank you for joining us as we pedal around the Big Ten West. Let's get into it. It is week two in the Big Ten. And Scott, well, we've had a few interesting days already just getting started here in the league in 2020. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, we're talking we're talking football, which is usually pretty exciting, but here we are. Uh, we have a lot to lot to discuss, especially related to uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, so off the top here, we, we have developments at Wisconsin to discuss. The Badgers are scheduled still as we record this episode on Tuesday night to visit Lincoln Saturday afternoon. Wisconsin beat Illinois impressively 45-7 Friday night in the Big Ten opener at Camp Randall. Freshman quarterback Grant Mertz threw five touchdowns and missed just one pass. And since then, well, Mertz has tested positive for COVID-19. Our Bruce Feldman confirmed Tuesday the news that came out of Madison. So, yeah, welcome to 2020. Uh, this is this is what we what we kind of expected, Scott. Uh, Madison.com is is reporting that the Badgers are close to reaching the threshold set by the league to shut down team activities for a minimum of seven days, and obviously that would cancel the game at Nebraska if Wisconsin gets to that number. You know, we knew to expect things like this, but issues with COVID are here just days into the return of Big Ten football. Yeah, this is a this is a precarious situation, and I mean, kind of making this more challenging for Wisconsin is, you know, the quarterback room, and uh, Jack Cohen was out after foot surgery, early into camp, and then you had Graham Mertz and his backup. Now, if the game gets played, you have fourth-string quarterback Danny Vandenboom, uh, who played at probably the, the most uh, recognizable program in Wisconsin, at Kimberly, Wisconsin, uh, you know, won a, a ton of titles there. And, and so I guess, if anything else, he could probably hand the ball off if he needs to, which is what Wisconsin does quite a bit, but... I mean, what's the likelihood you think this game gets played, Mitch? You know, it's it seems right now like it's it's unlikely. Um, I, I was concerned when I heard the news early in the week um, about Mertz, just because you know we know how these things work, and it's very unlikely that Mertz was going to be by himself, that he wasn't around teammates. Wisconsin obviously had some time off after the Friday victory, a little bit different weekend structured than what it would normally be. And you get back together as a team, and and that would be the time I would expect. And I, and I think it's probably the same way 
when some of these programs come back from road games. The teams that we cover both played road games. And, you know, I was curious on my end, okay, what happens with the guys who stayed behind? You know, the the, the last thing that you expect is that it's going to be one of the guys who was essential to the game or the starting quarterback. But, you know, that's part of what's going on at Wisconsin. And we should say it's just part of what's going on because obviously there are other issues there at Wisconsin beyond just the quarterback room or, or the, the university would not be in the situation where it is uh, and you, you're potentially looking at a game getting getting canceled, turning into a no contest. So, I, this you know the numbers are, are are difficult. The thresholds are difficult to meet in the Big Ten, and it was hard to go into this season and imagine a year that wasn't going to go interrupted, um, or that wasn't that that yeah that wasn't going to be interrupted. I I I think. Um, it's a, it's it's just a tough spot for both of these teams. I my my thought is, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they if they don't end up playing. But um, you know, we'll see where the week takes us. It would be interesting to see if the league just decides that okay, this game is not going to get played, or if they they do have one week where uh, both are playing cross divisional games, but that's week four, and you've got uh, you know some fairly high profile games in the cross divisional, which is. Uh, you have uh, Nebraska playing uh, Penn State, and you have uh, Wisconsin playing Michigan. I'm not so sure that they would want to disrupt those games and to put this one back, and plus the other two would have to play each other twice. So I don't, there's really no mechanism for them to even play this game. Uh, yeah. So it, that's the frustrating part by not having any bye weeks. And uh, But that said, this was something that was expected. It's unfortunate that it's happening now. Um, because it's it's still early in the the season, and this has divisional consequences, uh, you know, for both teams. Frankly, I mean, they they both are thinking beyond just you know playing a simple game. So, uh, what what does this mean for Nebraska? Do you think? Well, if the game's played, um, and Wisconsin is in a situation where it's handicapped on the offensive side, then. I don't really know what that means from Nebraska. Wisconsin has beaten Nebraska consistently seven games in a row, and often it's happened without a lot of help from the quarterback. So you've still got that great defense at Wisconsin that pitched a shutout against Illinois and seems to have picked up where it left off early last season when Wisconsin, you couldn't move the ball against the Badgers. They still have a good running game. They've still got a versatile tight end. I don't think by any stretch that Wisconsin would come into Lincoln, even without Graham Mertz, um, <laughs> without its back. You can, you can play Garrett Groshek, the, the running back, talented running back for Wisconsin as a wildcat. And I think that the Badgers are going to find a way, if this game is played, to be able to move the ball and be able to stay competitive and do things against Nebraska. Um, for Nebraska, it's, it's you know – Nebraska needs this needs to play this week. The Huskers go to Northwestern a week from from Saturday. We saw what Northwestern did. We'll talk about them in a bit. But Nebraska's coming off of a, a very difficult loss, fifty two to seventeen at Ohio State. That was maybe different. I don't want to say closer, but different than what the score indicated. There were some positives out of that game for Nebraska, um, but heading into this clearly with this te- these two teams, Nebraska and Wisconsin, at full strength, you would make Wisconsin a, a significant favorite in this game. And I would say you make Wisconsin a favorite in this game no matter who is playing quarterback for the Badgers. So these two teams are are acting 
uh, a bit like the um, you know the guinea pigs in the league and and seeing how this is going to be handled. And I, I had some conversations with people at Nebraska um, here on Tuesday, and the expectation right now from Nebraska is that this game is moving forward. But I think everyone is is tiptoeing uh, tiptoeing into the rest of this week around Lincoln. I'm fascinated by the the discussion. I mean, you know, one thing that Nebraska has that the other teams in the league doesn't is just an incredibly vivacious walk-on program. And mm-hmm. it, which means you could conceivably if it was on the Nebraska side, move a few walk-ons here, a few walk-ons here if you had a COVID situation to kind of slide it under the the radar and and potentially play, but I know Wisconsin doesn't have that. They have walk-ons, of course, as everybody does, but uh, you uh, that really wouldn't affect the threshold, though. And and I wonder. I know that's what was reported by what uh, the Wisconsin State Journal that they are dangerously close to that threshold. And and not only at quarterback, but who else does this affect for Wisconsin? I mean, does this affect the offensive line? Does this affect anybody on defense? Um, or is it a walk on situation? That's to me. Uh, you know, they could. Wisconsin could compete and survive and potentially win even with their fourth team quarterback. But uh, if it affects more than just Graham Mertz and, and his backup, does it affect somebody else? And that's where, to me, it gets dangerous. If you're starting to talk two or three or four offensive linemen, then that's when it becomes not only just an issue for the COVID situation, but potentially dangerous for uh, the other skill position players in the entire team. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you, you, you want Wisconsin, if it is able to play this game, to be able to do it in a way that's healthy for its team. And if a quarterback's impacted, Chase Wolf, the backup quarterback to, to Mertz, if he's impacted, in all likelihood you're looking at other guys on the offensive side just considering the, the, the time that those guys spend together around the facility and practice in the huddle. Uh, Wisconsin is a team that huddles, so you know who knows how this thing could be passed around in that, in that environment. It's, it's difficult to, to, um, you know, to even fathom what Paul Christ and his staff are going through to try to get that team that team in a, in a position to play if the numbers do work for them. So, um, you know, we'll continue to keep an eye on that as, as the week goes on. And, of course, our, our thoughts are, w- are with Graham Mertz and, and hoping that, uh, that he does okay and handles this well. And, and we hope he gets back and that everybody at Wisconsin uh, is able to weather this thing a, a, as well as possible. So, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Scott, while I was in Columbus over the weekend at the Empty Horseshoe, you were in West Lafayette, Indiana. You saw Iowa lose 24-20 to Purdue on a David Bell touchdown with two minutes to play First loss to open a season since 2013 for the Hawkeyes. They are set Saturday to host Northwestern at Kinnick Stadium. Wildcats rolled Maryland in Evanston last week. What do you think about Iowa's opportunity to rebound here in week two? It's it's interesting. I think both Iowa and Penn State are sitting in similar situations where they when you look statistically and you look at performance, you go, how did they not win these games? And uh, because Iowa rushed for almost 200 yards, it looked good doing it. Uh, The passing game was it was was okay. I mean, they had, you know, 260 yards passing to go along with 200 yards rushing. I mean, it was over 195 yards rushing. It was a pretty good day overall. Yet they they struggled to contain David Bell. And I think everybody will. He's a he's a tremendous receiver. He's every bit as dangerous as Rondale Moore, who uh, is not practicing uh, f- for Purdue. Was did not play the other day. Uh, Continues you, to be out. Yeah, some yeah. cryptic comments from Jeff Brom, who is back this week from his yeah. bout with COVID nineteen. The coach right. at Purdue, but Rondale Moore continues to be out. I found that interesting to to read, and he was on the sideline right uh, at the at the Iowa game on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I did not see him though. I, I know Jeff Brom wasn't. <laughs> but, right, right. Yeah, Rondell yeah. Moore. Jeff Brom. Right. Jeff Brom certainly was at home. Yeah, uh, but you know, I don't. I don't know that Jeff Brom's absence made much of a difference. Brian Brom called a game pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I do know with Jeff Brom is he gets aggressive at times, and maybe that you know maybe that changed the game a little bit. But but I think Iowa has a decent chance at rebounding because the. The two biggest problems they had was 10, uh, 10 penalties uh, mm-hmm. for 100 yards. That's very uncharacteristic for Iowa. They ranked third in the country last year in, with like an average of 32 yards per game in penalties. So that was just, you know, four false starts, a couple of personal fouls. I mean, just really uncharacteristic. And two, they fumbled the ball, and they were always among the top 10 in the country when it comes to uh, turnovers. And both fumbles were just dramatic. I mean, one was on uh, Purdue's 10-yard line when an offensive lineman slammed into the running back to try to push him forward and instead hit him from kind of the side. And it was just such a hard hit that, um, yeah, that would have forced the ball out no matter who was doing it. And the other one was um, on Iowa's final drive, running back just didn't have the ball secured and guy comes from the side and knocks it out. So um, that said, I mean, looking at Northwestern, you cannot come away from that game and not be impressed. That was a team that had as bad of an offense as I've seen in a long time in the Big Ten last year. They have a new offensive coordinator, and uh, Peyton Ramsey looked really good. I mean, the way they were able to pulverize Maryland, who I think is probably the worst team in the league after the first weekend, uh, it was really impressive. I mean, 537 yards, 
Last year, they averaged 240. Um, you know, they had time of possession more than 37 minutes. They, you know, uh, it was just overall uh, just looked very sharp uh, for the Wildcats. And they, I knew they would have a good defense. They still have, they did last year. But to do that offensively, serve notice that, okay, Northwestern's not just going to walk away and, and be the Northwestern of, of 1993. Yeah, new offensive coordinator for Northwestern, and you mentioned Ramsey, the grad transfer from Indiana, so a new quarterback for the Cats. And it's like uh, Pat Fitzgerald team. Pat Fitzgerald team sometimes. I think I think this uh, get right into the Big Ten works pretty well for them. You know, we've seen numerous years where Northwestern, at least recently in recent years, has has looked very puzzling uh, in the way that it's played in non-conference and then gotten going a bit when it gets into the Big Ten. So, hey, just, just kick it right in against Maryland and Iowa and the rest of the Big Ten, and, and you're like mid-season form. So um, what what, uh, what do you expect your experience to be like at Kinnick Stadium this weekend? I, I, obviously, you've never covered a game there uh, with the empty empty seats. I assume we'll, we'll still get the, uh, the wave at the end of the first quarter to the kids up in the hospital, but um, I know – if Nebraska plays this weekend and, and I'm in Lincoln at an empty stadium, it's going to feel even more odd and more bizarre than it did to be at the Horseshoe just because I'm so accustomed to sitting in that in that press box at Nebraska and looking out and seeing 90,000 people. So um, i got to imagine it's something similar for you and what you're anticipating Saturday. Yeah, it definitely will be. And I think part of it is, you know, mentally you just try to picture it as, okay, this is like one of their spring practices where it's, uh, you know, one time it snowed on their spring game and there wasn't hardly anybody there. So, uh, you know, it's not like Nebraska where the 90,000 people show up to the spring game, <laughs> you know, Wisconsin and Iowa, it's like uh, 9,000 tops, but uh, it will be different. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, I asked Pat Fitzgerald about it because nobody's been heckled more at Kinnick stadium than him. I mean, as a player, uh, with the with the Wildcats, and then of course as a coach forever now, and uh, so he's been there twenty times probably, and uh, been through the pink locker room. And the sidelines are seven yards away from the uh, from the stands, and so he's heard it all. And he kind of joked, he's like, "I thought they loved me there, you know." And I'm like, <laughs> oh. "Yeah, if you lose, they love you." But um, I, you know, I'm interested in Nebraska, though. I mean, will the balloons fly? <laughs> That's a good question. When Nebraska does eventually play a home game, uh, are you going to have ten thousand balloons being let off by cardboard cutouts uh, in the <laughs> out of the East stands? You know, maybe this would be a way for Nebraska to finally get in touch with its uh, environmentally friendly uh, base of, of its fan group and say, "Let's do away with the balloons." This can be the year where they can just kind of cut them out and not have people notice. Now, I, I'm sure when the fans return to Memorial Stadium in 2021 that there will be more balloons, more red balloons than than ever before. Um, and, you know, honestly, uh, I, we can, it can't happen fast enough. I, I thought in, in watching the game that I saw last week, the one time where it really struck me during the game about how the stands were empty what was in the second half, Things started to get away from Nebraska, and two defensive backs got targeting penalties in a short period of time. One of them was questionable at best uh, on the part of the officials, but I, 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 it was so strange not to just hear the cascade of boos coming down, 100,000 people on top of those officials and those fans and that Nebraska sideline. It just felt like that was the moment when it when, when like the roof was going to cave in on Nebraska because of the impact that the fans would have on that game and it was nothing it was it was just this there was very little 
um, emotion or anything that was really going on in what would have been an extremely emotional moment of the game as two Nebraska defensive backs went to the locker room uh, and will have to sit out the next time the Huskers play a game in the first half. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of real just different feelings, especially I would say before the game, walking up to the stadium, seeing the warm-ups, and just not having that uh, that um, carnival-like atmosphere that we're so used to around college football. Yeah, that's the same thing for me. I mean, driving up to you know even Ross Aid Stadium, which I've seen it full and I've seen it practically empty, which it certainly was the other day. There have been times when you know I I drive up and. And it was 55 degrees and sunny and the fall foliage. And you just think, this is beautiful football weather. And, but yet, here I am. I, you, you can't even get in the parking lot before 1.30. And, and so it's like I pull up about 1.15 and they're like, sorry, you're just going to have to drive around town for the next 15 minutes before you. And, uh, and so I went to this parking lot about a quarter of a mile down the road. And, and then there were like two other Iowa reporters because generally I get there three hours before kickoff. And, and so we had to wait just to do that. And, and yeah, not to see fans out celebrating, just tailgating, having a good time. That was, that was different. And it was a little bit sad, I thought. But, yeah. but as the game went on, I didn't really notice it that much because I was concentrated on everything on the field. The one thing I do know where I saw the most emotion was when Iowa got flagged for 12 men on the field. And what happened was Purdue switched players. They switched players, but Iowa's player didn't get off the field fast enough. And I thought that was, that was a little bit, uh, they went quick. Um, the center judge didn't place the ball fast enough and, or f- placed it too fast. And so then, you know, the f- Ferences were pretty upset on a touchdown drive. But other than that, well, it, was, it was all right. Well, I'm glad that you got the tour of West Lafayette, the driving tour that you never know, <laughs> never knew that you needed. So you can you can check check that one off the list for your next visit there. I think I've had my years. fair share of of touring there with Mackey Arena <laughs> in the middle of January, uh, coming back from an Iowa Purdue basketball game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, around the rest of the the West this weekend, Minnesota is visiting aforementioned Maryland. Scott's pick as the worst team in the Big Ten through week one. The Gophers had a rough opening weekend, lost big on Saturday night in front of that national TV audience with college game day in town earlier on Saturday to Michigan. Disappointing for the Gophers for sure. Michigan, I would say, looked better, but you can hear more about the Wolverines on the big football show Thursday, and Purdue is headed to Illinois on Saturday night, and that's it for for the West this week. So your thoughts on one or both of those two games, Minnesota at Maryland and Purdue at Illinois? I guess first with, with the Gophers, uh, you know, that does bring up some questions after what happened the other day, and speaking from the Minnesota perspective, I mean, they, uh, you know, they, they got outgained. Their defense is very young. I mean, they do have 
Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman and a veteran offensive line. And, uh, you know, a lot of us tend to only look at offense when we start to pick teams and they don't look at defense and, and linemen. And, and so I think there are some questions that the Gophers have to answer. I think they'll answer them this week. They'll score a lot of points. They may give up a few, but I mean, this is going to be a, a route for the, for Minnesota on Friday night. And then um, I am intrigued by, you know, Purdue they, they looked pretty good. Again, David Bell is, is probably as good of a player that people aren't talking about. Um, Illinois looked putrid offensively. Uh, you know, I hate to use That's that word, but, but uh, you know, Brandon Peters, the only, the only thing offensively they did at all was kind of run a zone read with Brandon Peters taken off. He had 75 yards. But outside of that, I mean, they were 2 or 10 on third down. Time of possession was 43 to, you know, 16 and change. Uh, you know, they have a veteran offensive line, Illinois does, and for them to not get push on a, a unit that's good, don't get me wrong, Wisconsin's good, but for them not to establish any kind of continuity offensively and to look as badly as they did defensively after having a pretty good year last year, I thought was incredibly disappointing. So, I mean, I, I think Purdue is clearly the better team there. I think it might be, a, you know, a two-touchdown type of game. Yeah, you were all over the Boilers before the season as your 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 surprise team team to watch in the in the entire Big Ten, and and my team was Northwestern. So you know we've we've we're both off to a good start in in that sense with the teams that we picked playing well in Week One. And Purdue is is about to be two and zero. I would agree with you on that. I I got to Columbus on Friday night. I flew in and I got to my hotel and was excited. Hey, I get to watch Big Ten football. Got some food. Sat down. The World Series is on, but I'm watching Big Ten football, thinking this is going to be a decent game here between Wisconsin and Illinois. And as as impressed as I was with Wisconsin's defense and Jack Sanborn and some of those guys up front, um, they they have seemed to really replenish the defensive line at Wisconsin this year. I'm with you. What was Illinois doing on the offensive side? It didn't seem like there was much of a, a structure or a plan to anything, and some of that certainly could be Wisconsin. But I I, I you know what where where was where. <laughs> Where was their plan? So I'm not looking for, for great things this season from the Illini after that, and I think I think Purdue is going to take it to them on, on Saturday. Yeah, and you know the other thing about the Badgers, I mean, they only ran for 3.4 yards per carry. They did not – that was not Jonathan Taylor out there running for uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Nakia right. Watson was good. Groshek is good. But there, there's a drop-off, and in – you know, people seem to think that Wisconsin just you could throw any running back in there, and and they pretty much have over the last decade. You know, going all the way back to John Clay and James White and Melvin Gordon, all the way up through here now with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but there is a drop off there, and uh, but that then again, Illinois. I mean, offensively, I mean their their top flight wide receiver was not good. Um, Purdue, on the other hand, uh, you know, they had a big physical running back, you know, number 40. I'm like, okay, there's Mike Allstott again out there. <laughs> and uh, by the end of the game, they were kind of wearing down Iowa a little bit that way. But but certainly David Bell was uh, was tremendous. And, and their passing game always gives Iowa problems because it's styles makes fights. Iowa's a two-gap run-stopping defense that's geared, uh, you know, completely zone. And when you have a guy like that, you know, and they had a lot of miscommunication on defense that really impacted yeah. that game. Yeah. So that Minnesota Maryland game is a, is a Friday night game, uh, the night before Halloween, six thirty p.m. Central Time on ESPN. 
a weekly feature that we are going to do here on this pod, and we got started last week. We're picking one thing to watch in the West each week. It can be an upset, a breakout player, a team that falls flat. Scott, I am going to go, and we've talked about him already on, on this episode, with David Bell. I think he's going to have a huge game Saturday in Champaign for Purdue, with or without Rondale Moore. It kind of sounds from from what Jeff Brom has had to say early this week that we may not see Rondale Moore for a bit with whatever is going on there. So I'm all in on David Bell. I, I, I may have to elevate him to uh, my my non uh, not among non quarterbacks, my my player of the year. Uh, it's too late to get in the preseason player of the year, but I'm looking for big things from David Bell this season after the way that he started, and and also uh, on on Saturday against the Illini. What uh, direction would you like to go with your pick in the Big Ten West this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Mohamed Ibrahim from uh, Minnesota, the running back. Uh, this okay. And it's because Maryland is, you know, they gave up 325 yards rushing to Northwestern. And, uh, you know, I, I think Abraham is better than whoever Northwestern has at running back. This could be <laughs> this could be a bad game for them. I mean, I could see him with 250-plus yards rushing, four touchdowns. I think Bateman's going to get some. I think Morgan's going to get some. But it's also one of those where you get in the third quarter and it's 35 to nothing or something, which I think is entirely possible that you just lean on your running game, and I think that's going to be the one. But, you know, one one other thing I, I'm going to throw out there that I, I kind of looked up today and I thought was very coincidental is, you know, it's, it could be a very strange year for Iowa, and not just because of the schedule. It's it's of who they play. It's the days that they play. They play on yes, Halloween. I saw this. I saw this on Twitter, Scott. You you uh, or uh, or wherever you shared this. I saw this from yeah. you somewhere today. Right. Uh, they they play on Halloween against Northwestern. They play Friday the thirteenth at uh, at Minnesota. They play the Huskers on Black Friday. And then uh, they wrap up their road games uh, December 5th at Illinois, which is uh, Memorial Stadium is only four blocks from Elm Street. So uh, it's kind of a scary scenario it's, for the Hawkeyes. I'm glad you brought that up on the week of Halloween. Otherwise, it, it, uh, it wouldn't have been, been as impactful. But good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. And I like your pick on, uh, on the Minnesota running back, too. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be sure to come back next Wednesday and review how those things went. Yeah. Well, that's it for us, legends and listeners. Please subscribe to The Big Football Show on Apple and Spotify. Review our show and give us a five-star rating. We'd be all over that. There are big games in the Big Ten East this week. Uh, Listen to our Tuesday pod with Bill Landis and Audrey Snyder to hear their conversation about Ohio State and Penn State, who meet Saturday night in State College. Uh, Thursday, we've got the Mitten State covered with Austin Meek and Colton Pouncey discussing Michigan and Michigan State playing Saturday at the Big House. And, of course, subscribe to The Athletic for coverage from all of us and more. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.